Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Boehm, here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, this week we're talking about two shows set in New York, I think is the, the running theme between them. Maybe. Is that the connective point? We, <laughs> yeah. We've got a new drama series, Full Circle, which comes to us this week, and a documentary series called Last Call, When a Serial Killer Stalked Queer New York, which is a really interesting yeah, look into a moment of history from the 90s. And our dinner party recommendations, those things on binge that we love or a trending that we tell you to mention to your friends next time you catch up with them for dinner. Should we get stuck in? Yeah, let's jump into the world of Full Circle. You understand. Did things happening to your family? You're happening for a reason. Hello? Listen to me. Who is this? We have your son. Steven Soderbergh's new thriller, Full Circle, follows the sprawling lies and connections that unravel following the botched kidnapping of a child in New York City. Starring Claire Danes, Zazie Beetz, Timothy Oliphant and Dennis Quaid, among others. The series is written by longtime Soderbergh collaborator Ed Solomon. Ali, this is a very interesting series. I went into it basically blind. I'd seen the trailer, but didn't give too much away. And by the end of the first episode, I was like absolutely gripped. It felt like there was a real timer for what's going to happen next. It does start with these quite disconnected stories in New York and Guyana and all these different things. And then they sort of all suddenly come together and it's quite compelling. I agree. This is one not to be on your phone. You have to lean in, turn the captions yes. on and follow along because if you look down for a few minutes, there's a whole other group of people and you're kind of spending the whole first episode wondering how these things are going to connect and they kind of come together in the last few minutes true to its name in full circle and you understand kind of the labyrinth of, of stories that are happening that connect these things together. But at its core, there's, could you say, like a botched kidnapping that happens in New York? Yeah, it's like a mistaken identity. The wrong person gets kidnapped. It's not a spoiler. The wrong person gets kidnapped and then it sort of spirals off into why this other person was meant to get kidnapped and who the kidnappers think they have. And, yeah, yeah, and the kind of social component and the computer and background and kind of trawling and everything that leads to the bot kidnap. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's not just like you picked a random person to kidnap. There was a reason that the fact that yeah. you kidnapped the wrong person is a complication, but that, you know, you kind of, the full circle is all about why was it this person that they were trying to kidnap and how is that connected to all these other things? So yeah. Yeah. So I think the central like family, I think is really interesting. It's like classic, beautiful New York apartment and wealth and privilege and all that. Yeah, and it's Claire Danes and Timothy Oliphant, who are just amazing in everything, but are, are great in this. But husband and wife. Really, husband and, and wife. But I found their business really interesting. Like, and it's something I've not seen on TV before. I would watch a show just about that. Claire Danes' father is sort of like this big celebrity chef. Yeah, Dennis Quaid, and, played by Dennis yeah, Quaid. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> And Claire Danes and Timothy Oliphant sort of manage the like brand and cookbooks and TV shows and restaurants. And yeah, it was just like a really interesting setting for a workplace. But obviously, 
implies there's lots of money and wealth and access to celebrity and cash and all that sort of thing, which is obviously why the child's, well, we think why the child is targeted in, in this first instance. But yeah, even just going into that world of the office where she was like approving, you know, cover art for the cookbook and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is like a really interesting workplace because often when there's just lots of money involved or something, it might just be like high finance or yeah, that's true. banking or that. something. It's, and then, and also yeah. I assume it's going to build as to how they're connected. So maybe the business is yeah. everything that you think and it's quite unusual for husband and wife and father and daughter, I suppose, to all be working together. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? It's a dynamic. There's a lot of characters you kind of mean in this first episode. It's twisty, but it's sophisticated. Yeah. And I think if you've ever watched any Soderbergh, it's visually got that sort of energy. I think people call it like shaky cam, but I think that's unfair. But it's very sort of like you're in the moment with the way it's filmed. It feels quite sort of guerrilla in places like that, you know, everything's on location, everything's sort of a little claustrophobic in the houses that they're in. But yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. Besides the sort of Claire Danes, Timothy Oliphant family, there's these Guianan immigrants who are sort of pulled into the crime, but we're not sure how and why. And then the other main character is Zazie Beetz, who's playing the detective, but she's a detective for like the post office or something. So again, you, we're given all these sort of crumbs and there is this central crime. But yeah, there's a lot of, I guess, ambiguity and stuff that is yet to be revealed. It's really exciting and almost like a little Hitchcockian in ways, I think. Um, Steven Soderbergh is more famous for his films. And I know you're talking about the kind of shaky cam, but Sex, Lies and Videotape. But uh, he's done some TV, but... He's more known for films, isn't he? We have a few Soderberghs on Binge. We've got Let Them All Talk, which was actually an, an original film that we have exclusively. We have Kimmy, which we actually spoke about earlier yeah. in the podcast, which we both really liked. Yeah. And I think we also called Hitchcockian. Yeah, um, we did actually. And also how the technology <laughs> um, element was a bit spooky in that regard. Yeah, like, cause you had the like sort the of voice. Siri, yeah. Alexa thing. Yeah. But then we've also got two of his other TV series, Mosaic, which is kind of quite experimental mm. and the nick oh, of course. which is his yes. like early hospital surgeon like incredibly highly acclaimed series the nick which doesn't so get talked got... about or get given enough love no like, it's an incredible it series isn't it like it's let's yeah. get that let's get people watching the nick I think it maybe suffered a little bit, at least when it first aired, because it was on Cinemax and mm -hmm. then it moved to HBO. And anyway, but yes, we have the Nick as well. So we've got a bunch of Soderbergh if you're into that stuff. But this is basically just a long film. I know <laughs> our producer hates when things are called long TV is called long film, but this is just six episodes. First two have dropped for you right now and new episodes of Full Circle drop Thursdays on Binge with the finale due July 27th. So if you don't think you can handle the stress of not, not knowing what's going to happen next, maybe just go and binge it all on July 27th. I would on this one. I mean, there's a lot going on in each episode, but because there is so much going on, I almost kind of want to, I want to have them all to be remembered and yeah. be following them because there's a lot to keep up with. God, it's great watching TV when there's some such, yeah, strong actors on screen. You do exactly what I've instructed you to do and the balance will be restored. What you think up is next? They're gonna kill that boy. But we're gonna see them. The new HBO docuseries Last Call, when a serial killer stalked queer New York, investigates the victims of Richard Rogers, who murdered and dismembered at least two gay men in New York in the 1990s. Focusing on the often dismissive behaviour of the police and the press at the time, this gripping four-part series is a compassionate and unique addition to the true crime genre. I remember the first gay bar I walked into, I thought, oh my God, I've been missing this my entire life. It just felt like home. Queer bars were one of the few places where we could come and feel safe. And then all of a sudden, everything was 
taken away. Ali, this was, I, I know I mentioned his name in the opening, Richard Rogers, but I thought this was really interesting in basically the lack of focus at least in the first episode, on the actual serial killer himself and more about the the victims and the time and place that it took place in. I thought it was a really interesting angle. There's four episodes in this docuseries and in the first episode, we don't know who the killer is. It's really just talking about the first victim and then introducing the second. And I found it a really compelling hour and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it concludes. But to your point, it was really compassionately done and it wasn't in a shouty blamey way but it it really helps you understand what was happening in kind of the lgbq community in new york at the time the aids epidemic was happening you had a kind of a lack of education or almost indifference in the police force and how they were dealing and liaising with this community so lots of kind of things coming together that complicated what was a really horrific murder or murders but I just found that really interesting. It really is a slice of history of of not that long ago, you know, 30 years ago, but how much things have changed, I hope, since then, like in lots of ways. But it was always yeah. moved on to maybe where police are now, have had blind spots or haven't acted in the way that you want them with, with other minority groups. There's a moment where one of the policemen from the time is getting interviewed and asks, like, what, what, why are you asking about all the gay stuff? It still hadn't landed with him why it was relevant that these men were gay and that gay men were getting targeted at the time. I, f- I found that still pretty shocking. Yeah, and, you know, kind of closeted, professional, very kind of conservative, you might say, gay men that are kind of living, you know, different lives. And just the way they were talking about the fact that it wasn't safe to be out, how there was a lot of other crime happening, even if it wasn't murders, but just like assault and, you know, there was there were just how unsafe it was. Sometimes when I was watching, I was like, this this feels like it was happening 100 years ago, but when it was really yeah. only happening 30 or 25 years ago. If you told me this was a documentary from the, like the 1930s kind of thing, you, you had to really be reminded. And I think what these documentaries do really well is sort of place you in the world of the time. Yeah, and so true. One of the ways they did it really interestingly, I thought, was they used clips from the Oprah Winfrey show. Mm-hmm. And again... Some of the questions that were getting asked were bad and some of them were good, but it was like it it makes your brain realize through those kind of clips, like where society was at in its kind of mood or m- mindset. I found it really compelling. And also the flip side of the, obviously the tragedy of all of it was that for a lot of the people they were interviewing, they talked about like also what an amazing time it was like to be able to go out and meet people and they, you move to New York and there's a sense of freedom and, you know, you felt at home for the first time going mm, to a gay bar mm-hmm. and, you know, meeting other people like you and all that stuff. So there was this like optimism about being in New York at this time and like it felt like things were changing. And then obviously just the terrible violence that was happening, not only from this particular serial killer, but also just general violence that was being perpetrated against the, the queer community. And that's what was so interesting about the first episode, because whilst it did start with the first murder, it really then helps you understand the landscape and what was going on. And there was this club on the kind of midtown part of Manhattan called the Townhouse, which was kind of a, a place that men would meet. But it, it was interesting even to learn that it wasn't like Chelsea or um, Greenwich Village, where it was really open and there were areas where the communities were gathering and like lots of bars this was all all already it was like kind of for wealthy closeted businessmen and it was in a different part of town and therefore it was kind of attracting a different type of clientele and and yeah just even within a couple of city blocks how different 
yeah, things were in New York. I found it really interesting. I didn't realize this until doing some research on the documentary series, but season 11 of American Horror Story, which was subtitled New York City, Mm -hmm. American Horror Story, NYC, season 11, is sort of partially based on this. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's about a a serial killer who was targeting gay men in New York in the late 80s and 90s. And it was, yeah, it was partially inspired by Richard Rogers and, you know, also the AIDS epidemic. So if you've seen that season of AHS, then yeah, I would would definitely check out the, the documentary as well. And just something that we were only talking on the pod maybe last week even, there's some interesting parallels and not that it's a spoiler, these are all sort of 30-year-old cases, but Still Town Murders, Mm -hmm. there's actually some interesting comparisons between that and what ends up happening with the Richard Rogers case. So yeah, really interesting, really compelling. And yeah, not not a topic I, well, I I didn't know anything about this particular set of crimes, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. Outside of the crime, it's this just really interesting Mm -hmm. look at being gay in America in the 90s. Yeah, and how far we've come in some regards, but also it is still only recent memory and, yeah, haven't come as far as we could. But, yeah, it's just the shift culturally society. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. New episodes of Last Call are being released each Monday. As we said, there's, there's only four episodes, so the finale will be due July 31st. You can watch them all. It's in all of us. That fear of being hurt because we're queer. Dinner party recommendations are up to the stage in the podcast where we talk about the kind of thought starter, conversation starters that you can have over dinner, which is often where you find out the next show to watch, isn't it? Someone's like, word of mouth, I'm watching this. But you often, I'm often at dinner parties, everyone's talking about a show I might have already seen. So I'm always looking for a tip. What's your tip on what to find on binge this week, John? Well, I don't think there's a carousel on Binge that I've spoken more about (laughs) than the incredibly niche carousel that sits in the movies page called Television About Movies, (laughs) which is one of my prouder collections. There's a new addition to the Television About Movies carousel. And since everyone I know works in television, this is what we do talk about at dinner parties. And it is called Project Greenlight, A New Generation. So are you familiar with Project Greenlight? I'm familiar, but I haven't watched yet. Yeah, so Project Green Light's actually like a 25-year-old format that HBO kicked off with a young Ben Affleck and Matt Damon back in the day after they sort of rose to fame with Goodwill Hunting and stuff. And it ran for a few seasons in the late 90s, early 2000s. Basically, it's a reality show to make a movie. They, you know, source scripts, find new directors, and then actually make the film at the end of it. So you get this really cool payoff. And it's not been on air for a while now. And as the, the subtitle A New Generation suggests, this is kind of a bit of a reboot. But yeah, we've just released Project Greenlight, A New Generation. So we've got this new 10-episode series of Project Greenlight, A New Generation. Instead of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, we've got Issa Rae, mm. Camille Nanjiani, and Gina price by the wood. So obviously everyone knows Issa Rae from Insecure and Rap Shit mm-hmm. and Camille Nanjiani from The Big Sick and Silicon Valley and Eternals and all yeah. that. And Gina price by the wood directed The Old Guard for Netflix and The Woman King, which we have streaming. Mm-hmm. Amazing writers, producers, directors, sort of mentor touring this up-and-coming director that they choose in the first episode to make a film. Mm-hmm. They then have 21 days of pre-production. I've never made a film, but doesn't doesn't seem like tons of time. Or is it going to be written in that period? It's written and then okay. they sort of tweak the script and, yes. So pre-production is um, normally so- used like to do your casting, to find out, you know, all your locations, yeah. like, yeah, work out all the details. If you've got yeah. to build 
props and yeah okay, so, so, days, yeah. so there's 21 days of pre-production and 18 days of shoot and that's what these 10 episodes show so you sh- it sees everything from like tweaking the script to casting the leads to finding locations to actually even so in the u.s this is a, a max hbo show so they even have to like go and pitch warner brothers <laughs> and get notes and like the, it's actually the real business of making a film yeah. like they actually you know, the studio is funding this film and they want something out of it and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. How long they from the last episode do you reckon until we get the film? Oh, Ali, that's the beauty of this show. <laughs> We've got the film. Yeah, already, do we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the film's called Grey Matter and it came out the same day as Project Greenlight. So you can watch Project Greenlight and then immediately watch the film. Please that they wait make and out of watch it. all of Project Greenlight before you watch the film. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, it'll just be but, so much more um, interesting when you watch it to know all the bits that went into it. No, definitely, definitely. It's the ultimate um, behind-the-scenes companion. Yeah. Cool. So it's really cool. I, I, and that's, like, such a great payoff is that so many reality shows, as much as we love them, at the end you usually just, like, you know, see if a cake worked out or or if, you know, a dress looked nice or something. But with this, you, like, really see the sort of end product of it. The previous seasons of Project Greenlight on reflection have been criticised for basically all choosing white men as the directors, unsurprisingly. You know, this was a show in the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, of its uh, time. So they made the very deliberate decision that they would, they'd be looking for a female director in this series. They find an up-and-coming director, and as you can imagine, they get a bit, you know, un, you know, <laughs> head above water and <laughs> have to try to sink or swim but yeah it's really interesting they have obviously these great mentors and in Easter and everybody and then yeah at the end of it you get to watch the movie so yeah Project Greenlight a new generation 10 episodes and then at the end go and check out Grey Matter which is sort of this young adult sort of sci-fi film that they made as a result very cool we're in pre-production on a couple of projects at the moment so I'd be really interested to compare it to what our reality is like that's good yeah interestingly there was an Australian version of Project Greenlight like 15 years ago as well so I'm not sure what came of that but yeah I think it's a really cool concept and if you're into film or television or anything it's a it's a great sort of different type of behind the scenes great recommendation we are bringing back Project Greenlight do you think we're gonna do it justice I think so yeah yeah Mm. Especially, I mean, based off of <laughs> day one, you're very confident. What about you, Ali? What are you watching? What are you talking to your friends about? Well, I posted this week on all the socials whether or not any nominations came out. We hope we have the Emmy Awards coming up September, October, but you never quite know with everything that's happening in Hollywood at the moment. But award show timing aside, the nominations have come out and across the shows available on Binge, we've got 22 series that have been nominated, over 140 nominations for the series. So I know you've spun up a carousel and popped them all in there for 2023 recommendations. It's a great way to almost use it as a shortcut for great shows from the last year because the Emmy Awards are obviously recognising the best in television in the last 12 months from America. So, yeah, I think we saw lots of people this week click on that and, and find some series that you might have forgotten or to get back in. A couple of really popular shows from this year have, have got a lot of Emmy nominations you know, per show, but there's actually a really big range. Like I said, 22 different series that are nominated in some way, including some of our reality favourites and talk shows and, and different categories as well. But I think Succession has one category where every nominated person is from Succession. So Succession has to win that award because everyone nominated is from Succession. I think it's Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. But, yeah, just amazing representation for that and Last of Us and a few other series. So, yeah. But I, th- I think amongst all Emmy 
nominations, Succession and Last of Us, I think, were the top two most nominated shows, and they are both on binge. They so are. it's a nice little claim for us to have. But even if you just sit back and scroll through that one carousel through the 22 shows, you're like, if you've got nothing else to do and you're looking for a new show, just start on that carousel and it'll get you going probably through to November. But hopefully yeah. your Emmys will be on television. And the Emmys themselves, when whenever they are, will also be on binge. So... You don't even have to leave the app. To oh, we've just gone full running. circle, John. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Full circle. Oh, full boom, circle. boom. Oh, didn't even realize. Mm. Okay. On that amazing note. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Skip Intro, we discussed full circle. We talked about Last Call. I recommended that you check out Project Greenlight, a new generation. And Ali reminded you about all the amazing Emmy-nominated programs that we have on Binge, which are all delightfully curated for you on the front page. All of these are streaming for you right now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bourne, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro.